Alternative Radio. Hello there, folks, and thank you for listening to the show. I'm Joanna. I'm Nate, and this is Stranger Than. We are back with another lovely episode for all of you crazy kids out there. Getting close to Halloween, and it's certainly feeling out where I am. What about you, Joanna? Yeah, it's it's definitely getting a little bit colder now. Cool down to a cool 75 degrees now? Yeah, it's been in the 70s. Some, today it was only in the 60s, so. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's uh, been... And it's getting, low, getting colder at night. Yeah, it's been shitty and rainy here so you know i really really need to work on that uh furnace issue i haven't even <laughs> yeah. had time to like order the parts which yeah. i don't even know if that's going to fix the problem but well, hopefully <laughs> yeah hopefully hopefully it will but uh yeah it's my furnace is so old you can only find the part like used on ebay oh my god yeah so not only do i have to gamble that this used in working condition part works but hopefully that's actually going to fix what's making my furnace not work yeah no shit that's uh yeah that's important adulting adulting sucks do Do not not recommend recommend. no yeah do not recommend one out of ten not doing it again Mm -mm. (laughs) well what do you have for us today joanna i have another halloween mystery Ooh. Well, I, again, have a few articles to read, but why don't we start out with your Halloween mystery? Okay, so this is The Disappearance of Cindy Song. It was Halloween night, 2001, and Cindy Song was out with a couple of her friends at... um, She was partying up at a nightclub. She was a student at Penn State University. And she was wearing a bunny costume and dancing with two of her friends at the Players Nightclub. So that was kind of a popular hangout with the college crowd. And she was dressed as a bunny, but like a cute bunny, not like a not like a sexy playboy bunny. Not that it makes a difference. You know? Not like Frank from Donnie Darko? No, just a little set of bunny ears and like a skirt with a bunny tail on it. Oh, I see. So not not really super dressed up, just kind of no. a like it's Halloween, so I'm gonna put yeah, on yeah. So here's stuff. some ears and here's a little cotton tail on yeah. my regular on my regular looking clothes. So she and two of her friends stayed out at the nightclub till about two a.m. and then they went to another friend's house to play video games until about 4 a.m., and her friend dropped her off in front of her apartment at that time. Now, her friend didn't actually see her go into her apartment. She was just, she just waved at her, like, from the, the balcony, um, you know, right when you were, like, going, kind of going up the stairs leading up to her front door. Yeah, yeah. She, so like... she waved to her friend from there, and her friend drove off, and that's the last time anyone ever saw her. That's not great. No. Right so in front was, of your house? Yeah. So, again, the friend didn't see her actually enter her apartment. She was just outside of it. And after she didn't show up for class for a few days, friends became worried and filed a police report. She was originally from Seoul, South Korea. So oh, okay. her her mom actually flew down from South Korea to uh, assist with the search. So when the police searched her apartment they did find the false she was wearing false eyelashes that uh-huh. night and the backpack that she had been wearing with her friends out earlier that evening so they know that she did actually make it into her apartment but they think she left voluntarily sometime after and voluntarily simply because there was no signs of struggle in the apartment no signs of an intruder and her purse with her credit cards and wallet uh, were not found in the apartment so it's assumed that she had her credit cards and her purse with her they also yeah, like didn't she find... took off with someone that she possibly knew and so she took her stuff with her because that's what you do when you take off except she didn't bring her cell phone her cell phone was still in her backpack and friends say that was very unusual for her to leave without her phone 
but the police said that her phone was off when they found it and probably it was like dead like if she was out all evening right her phone was probably dead and so she wouldn't have had reason to bring it with her wherever she went and they didn't find any of the clothes that she was wearing that night like any part of her bunny costume or the clothes that she was wearing Um, what year was this again this was 2001 2001 okay yeah now friends say that she often went to a 24-hour market at all hours of the night, so that's kind of what the police think might have happened, is that she got home, she decided she needed something at the market, maybe she didn't have any food, and she wanted to, you know, grab something to, like, you know, heat up in the microwave or whatever. The The market was about a six-minute walk from her apartment. So she came home, she, since her phone was dead, she didn't bring it with her, but she took her purse with her, her money and her wallet obviously, so that she could pay for whatever she was picking up at the store and either never made it to the store or uh, never made it back home from the store. They didn't have the surveillance tapes uh, of the night she disappeared at the 24-hour market had already been recorded over when the police came asking. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is like kind of like pre-digital yeah, there's Age. barely, it's just right on the cusp, you know? Yeah, so it's not like you can just store, like, crap loads of digital information. No, but, I mean, you'd think you yeah. would store, like, at least seven days' worth of tapes just in case you don't catch something right off the bat, you know? Right. I mean, come on. Nobody that worked that night remembered seeing her, but, again, it's, you know... Yeah, I, yeah it would be hard to remember often, seeing how, someone. Yeah. Especially, yeah, when you have, you know, customers at all times of the night. But, yeah, and when it's but a nobody remembered too. seeing her, so it's it's assumed but not uh you know, for sure that she never made it to the twenty four hour market. Right. Police thought maybe there was a drug angle, possibly, because they also looked through her diary and it talked about how her and her friends had experimented with marijuana. Oh, my God. (laughs) The devil's lettuce. No. Beelzebub's kale. And she had also been experimenting with ecstasy. But, I mean, if you ask me, I mean, if you're in college and you're not experimenting with weed and ecstasy, you're not doing it right. Yeah, probably not. I mean, at least with some weed, for the love of Christ. Right. I mean, ultimately, they nothing really came of that. And, yeah. They searched a, a wooded area, like, nearby her home. Nothing was found. Her case was featured on Unsolved Mysteries. Ooh, man. Yeah. And it was like old school Unsolved Mysteries. Like yeah, when I was yeah. first doing research, like Unsolved Mysteries came up and I was like, oh, is it like the new Unsolved Mysteries? Is it on there? No, it was Robert old Stack. school Robert Stack in a fucking trench coat. That's awesome. I forgot how he was always in a trench coat. He's like in a trench coat at the beginning of the episode and at the end of the episode, then he's just in like his regular like business suit. Yeah, yeah. The trench coat is off. And I'm like, what's the deal with that? I'm pretty sure there is a channel on Pluto TV. That is unsolved mysteries. So it's like all day just unsolved all day, mysteries. Every yeah. day, yep. All day every day. Unsolved mysteries. Yeah. And they just I mean there's commercial breaks on it because it's a free a free app, but you want you know, you want classic Doctor Who? You want um unsolved mysteries? There you go. You've got it on Pluto TV. Not nice. sponsored. <laughs> nice. I should I should download Pluto. That sound that sounds fun. Yeah, I mean you have to do a ads but you know yeah. it's it's oh, well it could be worse there are worse things than ads in life now after the case was featured things get a little weird there had been one eyewitness account allegedly supposedly of a woman matching cindy's description uh screaming in a car with a with a man with an olive toned uh complexion but this eyewitness was uh the story kept changing like the the woman said that she saw someone who matched Cindy's description yelling in the car but when she approached the car the man told her to go away and then she did and this was in the Chinatown section of Philadelphia and that was about 200 miles from where Cindy disappeared 
and ultimately they nothing ever panned out from that tip then a couple years later another tip comes in and this time it's from a guy who is serving as a police informant against another guy <laughs> the guy that came under suspicion was one hugo Solensky, who is uh can only be described as a career criminal someone who's just been in and out of jail and prison most of his adult life and probably some of his pre-adult life he was a drug dealer and his partner was a guy named michael kirkowski the informant's name was Paul Weekly, and apparently Paul Weekly also was part of the drug dealing ring that Kirkowski and Solinsky ran. And so Paul Weekly was in some hot water with the police and offered up to, you know, give them, you know, some tips on, you know, possibly some people who had gone missing and might possibly be located on Solinsky's property. The police follow up with that and found no less than five bodies buried in the back of Solinsky's yard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. None of them, though, proved to be Cindy Song. However, Paul Weekly claimed that Kurkowski and Solinsky had killed Cindy and had buried her not on the property but somewhere else they ran into her while she was like walking alone and had kidnapped her locked her into a walk-in safe repeatedly assaulted her and then killed her and buried her somewhere jesus and interestingly enough kirkowski was one of the bodies found in solinsky's backyard so he killed his partner and his girlfriend tammy facet was kirkowski's girlfriend the police had just thought that they had they were on the run from the law but no hugo solinsky had murdered them jesus paul yeah paul weekly claims that Solensky killed Kirkowski because when they murdered Cindy Song, Kirkowski kept her bunny ears as a souvenir. And that enraged Solensky because he didn't want to get caught for her murder. And so he killed Kirkowski because of that. Now, the police came up with a different idea of why Kirkowski had been murdered, and it was over money, $60,000 that Kirkowski had hidden in his house, allegedly, supposedly. So, the reasons that the police aren't 100% buying Weekly Story is that because they did a search of Weekly's computer and found, like, a whole bunch of searches related to Cindy's song. And so they think that he was trying to give them more information. I mean, he already he was credible in the fact that he did he was right about the fact that there were bodies buried in the backyard. There uh there was like two other drug dealers, Krakowski and his girlfriend, and then a fifth unidentified person was found to and to this day no one has identified it but it hasn't been proven to be cindy song and i think the police are pretty um they're pretty sure about excluding that it's you know not her for sure they don't know who it is but they know it's not her right right also in a grand jury indictment against solinsky uh, the records indicate that as many as 12 bodies might have actually been buried in his backyard. But oh, a lot damn. of them, there was just a lot of charred remains that couldn't be identified. So, again, it's possible. Holy shit, that he burned yeah. her or something. Yeah, well, he burned somebody. I mean, yeah. he burned a few somebodies. Damn. So, Weekly's in some hot water because he's probably been in on some of these crimes and right. 
So, yeah, he did tell police, like, where the bodies were buried and all about Solinsky, but they think that he might have made up the whole thing about Cindy Song just to try and further, uh, you know, put him in, you know, a better light, right, I guess, yeah. as far as making a deal for himself. Yeah, yeah, trying to, like, make sure that he gets doesn't get the short end of the stick. You know, can hopefully... Also, yeah. Yeah, also, Solinsky did live about two and a half hours from where Cindy Song lived. So it's unlikely that he would have just been cruising in the area. I mean, she right. lived in, in a college town, but, and, you know, it's Halloween, so maybe, you know, maybe they were out partying. And, you know, sometimes people, sometimes people go to those college towns. Yeah, just to party. Because, just to party, because they know there's going to be a lot of people out partying. Or, yep. you know, if you're, like, a total piece of shit, maybe you think you're going to find somebody, like, vulnerable that yep. you can prey upon. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's possible, but, you know, it's just as much, it's just as likely that he had nothing to do with it. And this guy, Paul Weekly was just making some shit up. Just he, like knew I, about, he knew about the case and was just trying to throw it in there to try and, you know, make a better deal for himself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were drug dealers. So, I mean, again, maybe it's possible that, like, he was, like, a guy they went to and that he did know of her and target her in some way. But also it's just as likely that, you know, they didn't know. And it's it's hard because the the guy who allegedly murdered her with Solinsky, Solinsky murdered himself, so. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, Kurkowski's not talking. No, he certainly isn't. And then whatever Paul Weekly is saying is a little bit sus and yeah. can't really be trusted. As it turns and out. <laughs> as it turns out, shocker. Right. So Paul Weekly is serving time in prison, even though he, you know, helped the police uh, right. with some of the other stuff. Solensky Sol is also serving a life sentence but it has done nothing to either uh has done nothing to like shed any further light on yeah the case. he hasn't been like no i did it he's just and it would not surprise me if he never says anything about the murders one way or another or you know admits to to killing her because like you know people like that like what's the fucking point you know what's the fucking point they don't have a conscience and yeah like what what does he fucking care whether anything's solved or whether he, he helps at, at least rule out like at, you know at least to be like no it wasn't me or yeah it was me like yeah why, why give them hoping anything to, to go use on? it for leverage or something yeah so at this time her disappearance is still unsolved i mean it's i would say she's definitely dead. Yeah, it's been 20 years, so... It's been 20 years. The police never... Uh, there was never any activity on any of her credit cards. Uh, some of the evidence that they... She had broken up with her boyfriend, like, a month before, but pretty much everyone that knew her said there's no way she would have, you know, done something to herself. She wasn't depressed. Right. They had, among other things, in the apartment, they had found... Uh, Tickets for a Britney Spears concert that was going to be the following month. Uh, she was due to have a computer delivered like a week after she disappeared. There, there was just nothing to indicate that she was going to go off voluntarily on her own and just check out. Yeah. Or that she was going to do anything to herself. Not when going to concerts and that sort of thing. It's all, And buying computers. I mean, it's obviously you're planning to be around, you know? Right, right. <laughs> People who and, are planning to kill themselves don't do that sort of thing they're not trying to make plans for the future because as far yeah. as they know they're not going to have a future so yeah so uh yeah there's nothing to indicate that she just decided to go off grid i mean it's it's so hard to go off grid even in 2001 i mean she's 21 so at the time she's like my same age i would have never known how to go off grid at 21 I'm like 41 and I still don't, I would not be able to just like walk away from my life and leave like no trace behind. It was easier in 2001. It was easier in 2001, but I feel like even my 41 year old self going back to 2001 <laughs> would still oh, not right. be able to like figure it out. <laughs> well, you know, she didn't bring her cell phone and uh, I mean, 
if she had money stashed someplace, then she could just, you know, sort of right. walk away, get a new ID, and she's a different person. But, I mean... Yeah, she had money in her checking account, so you just leave that all behind. And, yeah, yeah, chances, chances just, are that yeah. wasn't the case. That's pretty unlikely, like pretty much 100% unlikely, I would say. I think that somebody just grabbed her when she was walking and, you know, either killed her or like maybe she fell into, you know, somebody grabbed her and then trafficked her off somewhere. And yeah. Fucking horrible. It's like yeah, the more it's... and more uh, true crime you delve into, the more and more you realize like so, like how bad of a thing sex trafficking is and how... Like, oh man, yeah. It's a thing that's... that like happens like a lot and that's what's been happening in Haiti. Just I mean, there there's gangs running around kidnapping people. They could they just kidnapped like a bunch of Christian Canadians and Americans that were over there doing stuff, including some kids, and they're trying to get a million bucks a person. And it was like fifteen people or something. Wow. Yeah. Kid the youngest kid is like eight months old. Oh, my God. Like, I don't know why the fuck you're bringing your eight-month-old child on a mission like that. That seems no. super irresponsible. No. Yeah. I mean, I've gone on missions like that, but, I mean, I brought my 13-year-old son, but I I left my, like, you know, at the time, like, the girls were, like, little. They were, like, you know, yeah. seven and stuff. Like, no. no. Yeah. Why would you bring your eight-month-old to... And I to... wouldn't bring my eight-month-old. You know, if you it's have just... an eight-month-old that can't be left, I, I mean, I can, I can see why... You can't, you know, be going off for like a week or two and leaving that. But then you just don't go. Exactly. Like, don't make some money for fuck's sake. Yeah, you know, instead of bringing your, you know, very tiny infant. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not that they deserved to be kidnapped. No, no, absolutely not. Just. But that's, I mean, and and apparently it happens quite a lot, quite a lot over there. And I mean, people are afraid to go to. Uh, like the store and shit like that because they're just not sure they're they they are holding like their teenagers by the hands like gripping their hands tight walking down the streets with them because they don't want them to get trafficked and you know kidnapped mm -hmm. and trafficked it's a real fucking bad thing it's a real yeah. fucking bad thing so i think the real bad thing happened at poor Cindy's song and it's it's unfortunate that yeah it was definitely nothing good that happened because no. otherwise we wouldn't be talking about it no. And my my primary source for this is news.com.au and then of course unsolved mysteries with our friend Robert Stack. That's right. He's not our actual friend and is no. he even alive still? But <laughs> I think he is. I'm pretty sure he is. He's just so familiar. It's like, oh, Robert Stack in his trench coat, gonna tell us about some crazy shit. Or airplane. Yes. Yeah, he died on May 14th, 2003. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that must have been one of his last episodes that he did. Yeah. Because no, I think it, it was Yeah, it was 2003 when uh that episode was aired. Wow, yeah. Let's see here, it looks like God, he's been dead since 2003. That's just blows my mind. I know that's crazy. It's he had crazy how he, uh, he prostate had, cancer. Yeah, prostate cancer. Um, he was doing the radiation therapy for that, and then he actually died of a heart attack. Mm. But he was eighty-four, so he was fairly old. Wow, he didn't look eighty-four in that episode. I can tell you that much. That's what money money makes you look a lot <laughs> a lot younger than you are. You don't have to do stuff Sometimes, like Sometimes until you go overboard with it, and then you look terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Your face doesn't move, and it's just like, eee, yeah, like, way too much well, plastic I just, surgery there. I just meant that you're able to uh, eat right, and you could eat well, and you know, not have to do it yourself because you can afford to have people right. cook for you, or, or like, you know, you're able to afford good personal trainers, you know, who are able to, you know, help That's keep you key. fit and everything. So, you know, you don't have to work like a regular person does. You know, you. You're still working, obviously, because acting ain't, ain't easy, I'm sure. But no. nevertheless, it's not, you're not building a house or something. You're not doing, you know, hard shit like that. Right. You know, I'd love to be an actor on, like, just one of those, like, um, really bad, like, cable, like, drama shows where they don't even really make an effort. It's not like. Like a soap opera. 
Yeah, like a soap opera type. <laughs> they had some of that stuff on, like it's on in the break room at my job. And oh I'm my god, like, that's yeah. And I'm just like, dude, like you know, obviously they're not like getting paid like you know the big millions of dollars because they're like these legendary actors. But I'm like, dude, it's enough. Like I, I could just do this. Like basically, just memorize the lines. <laughs> but you'd have to do it every day. Right. Because they film every single day. So that would actually be probably tougher than doing a movie. Well, I mean, not not just like a soap opera, but some of these like these like Chicago, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or like, you know, I mean, Grey's Anatomy or show. something like that. Well, Grey's Anatomy is a little more high caliber, but, not but the some of these season. like. So <laughs> I've never watched it, but, you know, it had oh. some it had some. You, you should. Know, you'd probably like it. Yeah, probably. I was yeah. more of an ER person. So. Oh, well, yeah. It's just because you're a George yeah. Clooney girl. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> Noah Wiley. Also hot. <laughs> <laughs> that other guy, that uh, foreign guy, too. Hot. Luca. I, I never uh, really watched ER, so. Mm-hmm. Hot. Hot, hot, hot. I like Anthony Edwards, too. Hey, that's, that's okay. That's okay. That's a decent guy. You're allowed. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff. Well, we're going to stay on the true crime thing, because I have an article to read about <gasps> true crime, or a true, true crime, crime thing. True crime. This okay. is from the New York Post. It was uh, published October 6, 2021. Zodiac killer identified, linked to sixth murder, cold case squad claims. A cold case task force claims it has identified the notorious Zodiac killer who terrorized Northern California in the late 1960s and taunted authorities with cryptic notes. Investigators with the case breakers told Fox News that the group, led by former FBI agents and retired law enforcement officials, has identified the infamous killer as Gary Francis Post, who died in 2018. Oh. They also tied the infamous serial killer to a sixth murder in Southern California. The Zodiac Killer has already been linked to five murders in 1968 and 1969 in the San Francisco Bay Area by the FBI. During his spree, the madman sent a series of letters to local newspapers in which he coined his nickname and threatened more slains if they weren't printed. Some letters included ciphers, with some puzzles still unsolved decades later. A cipher is a code technique. One cipher received by the San Francisco Chronicle in 1969 was finally cracked in December, revealing a message that said he wasn't scared of being executed if ever caught. But years of digging led to new forensic evidence in the case, including photos from Post's darkroom that showed scars on his forehead matched scars on the sketch of the Zodiac, the team told Fox News. Deciphering letters sent by the Zodiac also revealed Post as the killer who had claimed to have slaughtered as many as 37 people. In one note, the letters of Post's full name were removed to reveal an alternate message, a casebreaker investigator told Fox News. So you've got to know Gary's full name in order to decipher these anagrams, former Army counterintelligence agent Jen Buchholz said, I don't think there's any other way anybody would have figured it out. The team also believes Post killed Sherry Joe Bates on Halloween in 1966, some 400 miles away from San Francisco, and two years before the first slain was linked to the Zodiac Killer. Bates, 18, was found dead with more than 40 stab wounds in an alleyway on the campus of Riverside City College after her father reported her missing, according to Fox News. Authorities got a handwritten letter that the following year that led them to believe Bates' slain might be tied to the Zodiac Killer until investigators got another anonymous letter in 2016 claiming the earlier note was a sick joke, Fox News reported. The author admitted that he was not the Zodiac Killer or the killer of Sherry Joe Bates and that he was just looking for attention, Riverside Police said. The Zodiac Killer was ultimately never linked to Bates' murder and the case still remains open, Riverside Police told Fox News. However, the case breakers believe Post is a very strong suspect in Bates' murder and are urging investigators to compare her DNA to his. A wristwatch with paint splatter thought to have been worn by the killer was recovered at the scene of the Bates murder, and Post had painted homes for more than four decades, 
according to the Cold Case Squad. In addition, a heel print from a military-style boot at the murder scene matched his and others found at the Zodiac crime scenes, Fox News reported. FBI investigators had even identified Bates as the Zodiac Killer's sixth victim in a 1975 memo obtained by the team. But the first known slains linked to the Zodiac Killer occurred in December 1968 when a couple were shot dead in a car in Benicia, California. Another couple was shot in Vallejo in July of 1969, and the man with the man surviving. Later that year, a couple, a couple was stabbed near a lake, and the man survived, while a cab driver was gunned down in San Francisco. An FBI spokesperson told the Post Wednesday the Bureau would look into the casebreaker's claims regarding Post. Meanwhile, San Francisco police told Fox News they could not comment on potential suspects in the Zodiac investigation because it is ongoing. It would be terrifying if it was this guy, because this guy was just a fucking house painter. Could have painted That's anyone's crazy. house and just been gunning people down and stabbing people. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, and it's been unsolved for so long. Oh, I know. I I was thinking like they were never ever going to solve it so that's that's nuts if they they've actually finally caught the guy kind of right. although he's dead so not much catching involved but they figured no, out who it is but and at now least this to is identify him yeah, oh, yeah yeah and this guy i mean the FBI haven't said that he's you know definitely the guy um but they're they're looking into it, I guess. Oh, and also it says uh, a fifty thousand dollar reward was offered earlier this year by the Riverside Police Department for a conviction in the unsolved Bates slain. So pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, it would be nice if that was the guy. Mm-hmm. The head scars seem. I mean, I'm not sure if they're actually scars or if they're just like wrinkles. But, you know, whatever. They do match what's in the, I mean, the, on the guy's, you, you can see a picture of the guy's forehead and then the, the, the artist rendition of the Zodiac Killer. And, I mean, they've got, like, the same mm -hmm. forehead lines. So that's, that's something, at least. That's significant, it seems like. This is another article that I find quite interesting. It's on, from The Atlantic. Was there a civilization on Earth before humans? A look at the available evidence. It only took five minutes for Gavin Schmidt to outspeculate me. Schmidt is the director of NASA's Goddard Institute for Space Studies, aka GIS, a world-class climate science facility. One day last year, I came to GIS with a far-out proposal. In my work as an astrophysicist, I had begun researching global warming from an astrobiological perspective. That meant asking whether an industrial civilization that rises on any planet will, through its own activity, trigger its own version of a climate shift. I was visiting GIS that day hoping to gain some climate science insights and perhaps collaborators. That's how I ended up in Gavin's office. Just as I was revving up my pitch, Gavin stopped me in my tracks. Wait a second, he said. How do you know we're the only time there's been a civilization on our, on our own planet? It took me a few seconds to pick up my jaw off the floor. I had certainly come into Gavin's office prepared for an eye roll at the mention of exo-civilizations, but the civilizations he was asking about would have existed many millions of years ago. Sitting there, seeing Earth's vast evolutionary past telescope before my mind's eye, I felt a kind of temporal vertigo. Yeah, I stammered. Could we tell if there had been an industrial civilization that deep in time? We never got back to aliens. Instead, the first conversation launched a new study we've recently published in the International Journal of Astrobiology. Though neither of us could see it at that moment, Gavin's penetrating question opened a window not just into Earth's past, but also onto our own future. We're used to imagining extinct civilizations in terms of sunken statues and subterranean ruins. These kinds of artifacts of previous societies are fine if you're only interested in timescales of a few thousands of years. But once you roll the <laughs> clock back to tens of millions or hundreds of millions of years, things get more complicated. I guess so. When it comes to direct evidence of an industrial civilization, things like cities, factories, and roads, the geologic record doesn't go back past what's called the Quaternary Period 2.6 million years ago. For example, the oldest large-scale stretch of ancient surface lies in the Negev Desert, 
It's just 1.8 million years old. Only 1.8. Only 1.8 million years old. Got it. Older surfaces are mostly visible in cross-sections via something like a cliff face or rock cuts. Go back much further than the Quaternary, and everything has been turned over and crushed to dust. Just from, you know, uh, continents shifting and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And if we're going back this far, we're not talking about human civilizations anymore. Homo sapiens didn't make their appearance on the planet until just 300,000 years ago or so. That means the question shifts to other species, which is why Gavin called the idea the Silurian Hypothesis, after an old Doctor Who episode with intelligent reptiles. Oh, I see. I they, should have known this guy was a Doctor Who fan. Yeah, no shit. Oh my god, this guy is so nerdy, I can't even. <laughs> yeah, well, hey. <laughs> what are you going to do? But the Silurians were, uh, are, well, in Doctor Who, they're these reptiles, like humanoid reptiles, that were Earth's, like, first inhabitants, and they slept under the surface, like, in a hollow Earth sort of thing, for, okay. um, you know, a long time before humans were humans, and, you know, they want to come back to the surface, but there's a big thing. The doctor smooths it all out, smooths it all out, everything's well, fine. that's what the doctor does. That's what the doctor does. Shit. <laughs> okay. So, could researchers find clear evidence that an ancient species built a relatively short-lived industrial civilization long before our own? Perhaps, for example, some early mammal rose briefly to civilization building during the Paleocene Epoch about 60 million years ago. There are fossils, of course, but the fraction of life that gets fossilized is always minuscule and varies a lot depending on time and habitat. It would be easy, therefore, to miss an industrial civilization that lasted only 100,000 years, which would be 500 times longer than our industrial civilization has made it so far. Given that all direct evidence would be long gone after many millions of years, what kinds of evidence might then still exist? The best way to answer this question is to figure out what evidence we'd leave behind if human civilization collapsed at its current stage of development. Now that our industrial civilization has gone truly global, humanity's collective activity is laying down a variety of traces that will be detectable by scientists 100 million years in the future. The extensive use of fertilizer, for example, keeps 7 billion people fed, but it also means we're redirecting the planet's flows of nitrogen into food production. Future researchers should see this in characteristics of nitrogen showing up in sediments from our era. Likewise, our relentless hunger for rare earth elements used in electronic gizmos. Far more of these atoms are now wandering around the planet's surface because of us than would otherwise be the case. They might also show up in future sediments too. Even our creation and use of synthetic steroids has now become so pervasive that it may be detectable in geological strata 10 million years from now. That's fucking wild. Yeah. That's just that's not even like a a thing i mean it's like a i mean it is a thing obviously but it's not i mean it's not like plastic or it's not like you know litter or something it's just something that gets put into the animals and everything and people too and that's going to be something that's 10 million years and people are going to still be able to find out that that was a thing that we did even if nothing else is left right and then there's all that plastic Studies have shown that increasing amounts of plastic marine litter are being deposited on the seafloor everywhere from coastal areas to deep basins and even in the Arctic. Wind, sun, and waves grind down large-scale plastic artifacts, leaving the seas full of microscopic plastic particles that will eventually rain down on the ocean floor, creating a layer that could persist for geological timescales. The big question is how long any of these traces of our civilization will last. In our study, we found that each had the possibility of making it into the future sediments. Ironically, however, the most promising marker of humanity's presence as an advanced civilization is a byproduct of one activity that may threaten it the most. When we burn fossil fuels, we're releasing carbon back into the atmosphere that was once part of living tissues. This ancient carbon is depleted in one of the element's three naturally occurring varieties or isotopes. The more fossil fuels we burn, the more the balance of these carbon isotopes shifts. Atmospheric scientists call this shift the Seuss effect, 
and the change in isotopic ratios of carbon due to fossil fuel use is easy to see over the past century. Increases in temperature also leave isotopic signals. These shifts should be apparent to any future scientist who chemically analyzes exposed layers of rock from our era. Along with these spikes, the Anthropocene layer might also hold brief peaks of nitrogen, plastic nanoparticles, and even synthetic steroids. So if these are traces our civilization is bound to leave for the future, might the same sign signals exist right now in rocks just waiting to tell us of civilizations long gone? Maybe, except maybe they weren't as shitty as us, so they didn't leave as much evidence behind. At least not much as plastic. Maybe something right. they left behind is something that we think of as natural just because they left it behind. So in right. a few hundred million years, whatever's running around the planet is going to see all this plastic we left behind and think, oh, this is just part of the past. Like, there just used to be something that made plastic. You know, they'll find like rubber trees and be like, that must have made plastic. Yeah, that, they'll just be like, this civilization was garbage, which is <laughs> yes. kind of true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 56 million years ago, Earth passed through the Paleocene-Eocene Thermal Maximum, PETM. During the PETM, the planet's average temperature climbed as high as 15 degrees Fahrenheit above what we experience today. It was a world almost without ice, as typical summer temperatures at the poles reached close to a balmy 70 degrees Fahrenheit. That's at the poles. Looking at the isotopic records from the PETM, scientists see both carbon and oxygen isotope ratios spiking in exactly the way we expect to see in the Anthropocene record. There are also other events like the PETM in Earth's history that shows traces like our hypothetical Anthropocene signal. These include a few million years after the PETM dubbed the Eocene layers of mysterious origin, and massive events in the Cretaceous that left the ocean without oxygen for many millennia, or even longer. Are these events indications of previous non-human industrial civilizations? Almost certainly not. While there is evidence that the PETM may have been driven by a massive release of buried fossil carbon in the air, it's the timescale of these changes that matter. The PETM's isotope spikes rise and fall over a few hundred thousand years. But what makes the Anthropocene so remarkable in terms of Earth history is the speed at which we're dumping fossil carbon into the atmosphere. There have been geological periods where Earth's CO2 has been as high or higher than it is today, but never before in the planet's multi-billion year history has so much buried carbon been dumped back into the atmosphere so quickly. So, the isotopic spikes we do see in the geological records may not be spiky enough to fit the Silurian hypothesis' bill. But there is a conundrum here. If an earlier species' industrial activity is short-lived, we might not be able to easily see it. The PETM's spikes mostly show us Earth's timescales for responding to whatever caused it, not necessarily this timescale of the cause. So it might take both dedicated and novel detection methods to find evidence of a truly short-lived event in ancient sediments. In other words, if you're not explicitly looking for it, you might not see it. That recognition was, perhaps, the most concrete conclusion of our study. It's not often that you write a paper proposing a hypothesis that you don't support. Gavin and I don't believe the Earth once hosted a 50 million year old Paleocene civilization, but by asking if we could see truly ancient industrial civilizations, we were forced to ask about the generic kinds of impacts any civilization might have on a planet. That's exactly what the astrobiological perspective on climate change is all about. Civilization building means harvesting energy from the planet to do the work, i.e. the work of civilization building. Once the civilization reaches truly planetary scales, there has to be some feedback on the coupled planetary systems that give it life air, water, rock. This will be particularly true for young civilizations like ours, still climbing up the ladder of technological capacity. There is, in other words, no free lunch. While some energy sources will have low impact, say, solar versus fossil fuels, you can't power a global civilization without some degree of impact on the planet. Once you realize through climate change the need to find lower impact energy sources, the less impact you will leave. So the more sustainable your civilization becomes, the smaller the signal you leave for future generations. In addition, our work also opened up the speculative possibility that some planets might have fossil fuel-driven cycles of civilization building and collapse. If a civilization uses fossil fuels, 
the climate change they trigger can lead to large decrease in ocean oxygen levels. These low oxygen levels, oxygen levels called ocean anoxia, help trigger the conditions needed for making fossil fuels like oil and coal in the first place. In this way, a civilization and its demise might sow the seed for new civilizations in the future. By asking about civilizations lost deep in time, we're also asking about the possibility for universal rules guiding the evolution of all biospheres and all their creative potential, including the emergence of civilizations. Even without pickup driving, Paleocenians were only now learning to see how rich that potential might be. So, more or less, though the people that wrote this, they're not saying that there was definitely some old-ass civilization, you know, hundreds of millions of years ago, if not billions of years ago. They're saying if there was, the chances of us being able to find it are slim to fucking none. Because a lot of just the, the telltale signs of civilization kind of wipe each other out. So, you know, we pump a bunch of CO2 in, so the oxygen gets rid of, or into the atmosphere, so the, ox so the oxygen in the ocean is gone. That way it can create more fossil fuels for other civilizations to get into. It's pretty crazy shit. But I actually do believe that there's a far more, a far greater likelihood of there being past civilizations that have just been completely erased than most people give credit to. Right. We've just been around for too goddamn long, and shit, as much shit that does stay, there's still way more shit that doesn't stay. Right. I'm sure there are dinosaurs and mammals that have become extinct that we will never know even existed. Well, and there's just because also stuff like the Goblecky Tepe and stuff that stuff that like throws off like what like our perceived timeline was for so oh, yeah. long, and then we find something like that that completely is like, oh no, wait a second, this isn't quite yeah. how things evolved. And especially when that's in that particular case, it being a much bigger thing than initially thought mm -hmm. of, too. Yeah. Well, why don't we uh, close it out with a little bit of uh, Halloween fun stuff? Yeah, let's. I just thought since the last two episodes focused on shitty crimes that occurred on Halloween, like. <laughs> yeah, right? Let's talk about some adventures in parenting on Halloween. So, this came again from BuzzFeed.com. One user writes in and says, My four-year-old son was wearing a Buzz Lightyear costume. He saw another boy dressed as Buzz Lightyear and accused him of stealing his costume. They had a wrestling match on the spot. <laughs> I like that one. My son was a big Buzz Lightyear fan. He used to call him Buttyear when he was about, like, four years old. Buttyear. Yeah, Buttyear. I like it. Infinity and on is what he used to say. You know, because he couldn't say to infinity and beyond. Yeah, yeah, because kids can't talk. Yeah, because kids can't speak. So it was finity and on. Dumbass kids. Freaking butt year. <laughs> that was the best. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Uh, another one. While running from one house to the next in the darkness, my animal-loving, tender-hearted four-year-old tripped over a squirrel and killed it. There are some things oh my God. you never recover from. Oh my god. That's terrible and I feel you know, oh my gosh. Like my kids are all That's... like super sensitive and like love animals and oh man. Trip over a squirrel and, and kill, kill it. it. How do you even trip over a squirrel? I mean you must have just snuck up is it asleep? Was it drunk? Who knows? I mean it could have been I mean it's if it was around Halloween, you know, it could have gotten into some some plants or some uh, some fruit that rotted and ate it and then just got drunk. I don't know. <laughs> Here's a, we told our two-year-old it was time to go home, but she insisted to go on one, to one more house. She rang the doorbell, then immediately fell to the ground and started crying. As the couple opened the door, she screamed, I don't want to trick-or-treat anymore. Please go home. The couple gave us a dirty look as if we were forcing her out against her will. <laughs> I can relate to that one on so many levels where like your kid's just fine one second and then like the next they're not and of course that's always when like some other like couple or parent like 
shows up to the party and you just like look and like you're, you're a like, shitty parent and it's like no i swear to god <laughs> i'm not a shitty parent. i'm not a shitty parent she i just was have fine. shitty kids yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fine just a minute ago like oh <laughs> we were almost finished trick-or-treating when my daughter said she had to go to the bathroom i insisted we go to one more house she peed on their front porch <laughs> My father-in-law built my twin toddlers and me matching red Lego costumes, and everything went fine for trick-or-treating. It wasn't until I put my costume in the dumpster of my apartment complex that things got weird. A grown man dumpster-dived to retrieve the costume and started wearing it around the neighborhood in the middle of November. That's strange. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That would be weird. Like, yeah, you, yeah, you throw it yeah. out, and some guy's like, "Oh my god, what are you doing? Throwing, a, awesome. throwing this Don't Lego throw costume away. away, and then just starts wearing it I'll all wear over that. the fucking neighborhood. Like, that would creep me shit. the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, no shit. It's like, is he doing that because I just wore it, or yeah, or is it really that great of a costume? You're like, maybe I want it back now, right? My mom always tells me about the time my sister got so scared by one of the houses on our street that she peed on their dog. Oh, God. That family hasn't put up decorations since. Yeah, right? They're just like, you know what? Fuck that. How did this happen? I have so many questions. Like, how did you actually, how did she actually pee on the dog? I don't know. I don't know. Kids, a small dog. Yeah, kids find a way. Yeah, if there's something that could be peed on, a kid will figure it out. <laughs> I put my three-year-old son in his frog costume, and he cried the entire night. Later, on the way home from trick-or-treating, he said I would never make him be a frog again, and promptly proceeded to poop in his costume. <laughs> oh, God. Never make me be a frog again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a little... All right, you win. Never again. <laughs> and last but not least, my four-year-old daughter wasn't feeling well Halloween night, but insisted she could still trick-or-treat. Things were going great until she vomited into a cauldron <laughs> of kink-sized candy bars the lady down the block offered to her. Oh. I couldn't apologize enough, but my four-year-old exclaimed that she felt much better and asked if we could keep trick-or-treating. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Well, I'm fine now. I'm fine now, now that I've ruined, like, all your candy. This lady has, like, yeah, a giant no cauldron shit. and the full-size candy bars, too. Like, okay, well, you can take those, kid. Yeah, and just frickin' oh. Ralph's all over it. Oh, man. Yeah. Kids are rotten. <laughs> It never a dull moment, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> all right, well, I think that's all we have for you today. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Have a wonderful Halloween. Have a safe Halloween, too. Have a safe Halloween. Be sure not to get caught. You can make our Halloween by donating to our Patreon, one, two, or five dollars at patreon.com slash stranger than podcast. $1 gets you a crisp high five, $2 gets you ad-free regular episodes, and $5 gets you a bonus true crime episode. You can also check us out at ageofradio.org slash stranger than. You can stream episodes there, and if you'd like, you can take a look at ageofradio.org for all kinds of other podcasts and some goods, and I, perhaps some services. I'm not sure on the latter, but you know, there's at least goods there. Check it out. You can send us any of your creepy stories about ghosts or aliens or Bigfoot or whatever the fuck. We would love to read listener stories on the air. You can send them to StrangerThanPodcast at gmail.com. If you want to follow our social medias, you can find us any place we are, either under Stranger Than or Stranger Than Podcast. And with that, we will talk to you next time. And stay strange. <laughs>